Hey, this is Jason Robinson, the pastor of Church of the King, and I'm so pumped up that you're hanging out with us with our podcast today. I pray that God really speaks to you and that you're encouraged and inspired to live your life with everything you have for Him. Hey, I want to encourage you to check us out over at cotk.org. You can go there and learn all kinds of things about us and when our service times are. And speaking of our service times, I would love to invite you so that I could actually meet you personally on one of our weekend services. I promise you, your kids will love it. You'll have a great time and you'll have a blast. I pray today that God speaks to you through this word. God bless you. Church of the King, it is so good to be with you. If it is your first time here, my name's Jason Robinson. I'm the pastor here at the church, and my wife and I, we have the privilege of pastoring here, and um, what a great job the worship team did. Can we give it up for the worship team? What an awesome job, man. Ugh, felt it today. It was just great. So uh, excited about service today. We're at the final part of our series called If Only, Living a Life with no regrets. I hope you guys have been engaged. I've heard the small groups have been phenomenal. Also, I heard many are continuing their small groups, so that's exciting, so that we can just stay connected in relationship, and uh, we've just had a blast. So there are a couple things that I need to bring up. First off, Josh, thank you for the things that you said about, but I wanna talk about next weekend, okay? Next weekend, they call it, they call it the Super Bowl weekend for churches, all right? That's what they call it because it's when all kinds of people come to church that normally wouldn't. So we have a pretty active weekend. On Friday night, we have a Good Friday service, okay? So we have that. Do we have a clip for that? Yeah, so it's Friday night. It's from five to six. It's gonna be, it won't be a long service, okay? It's a communion service. We'll have just a couple songs. Have a little bit more of a solemn feel to it uh, just because of what we're uh, celebrating, what we're, what we're recognizing. Uh, but also when we go to take communion, I'm super fired up about this, is we have a rabbi, a Messianic Jewish rabbi that'll be with us that's gonna explain what was going on at that last supper. And so uh, probably about 45, 50 minutes, I'd say, the service is gonna be. Um, so we're pumped up. We've not been able to do that till now with our building. And so we're really excited about that. And we also have four weekend services. A Saturday night service, so if you're going out of town, uh, you can catch the Saturday night service. And also, I wanna look online for a second, because a lot of people will, online when they're watching, and think, when do I come back? And so, we've never done a Saturday night service along with our other services, but we're projecting that would probably be a good service for you to come to, if you've been watching online and thinking about coming back. Uh, We'd love to have you for that. But then also, three in the morning, we have 8.30, 10, and 11.30, okay? So now y'all are my 11.15. So if I could ask y'all, if y'all could ooch towards the 11.30, that would be great, okay? Because we're a little worried about that 10 o'clock service being overrun by it. I asked all our 9.30, I asked them if they, many of them would consider going to the 8.30 because I told them Jesus would love them more if they went to the 8.30. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. That is a joke. But uh, we're just a little concerned about that 10 o'clock service. So, But we're really excited about this weekend. Hey, by the way, People will, if you will ask somebody, there's research done by Barna Research that says 86% of people would come to church if someone would ask them. So just ask them. And there's no easier time than Easter. People, whether you believe it or not, people right now thinking about what are we gonna do for Easter? And so now's the perfect time to do that. Also, another thing that's important that we've learned has been highly effective for us 
is when, if you're on social media and you'll see a video or whatever, if you would just like it and share it, okay? It's super simple to do that. But what happens is once you get around 30 to 40 shares, it breaks through a bunch of algorithms that Facebook runs and it starts to really get out there into the tens of thousands of people seeing it. And many started coming to this church because we did that going into it. So this week, if you could just share everything you see, that would be awesome as well. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 19. We're going to get there in just a moment, verses 28 through 38. And this weekend is Palm Sunday. It is the triumphal entry of Jesus coming in to Jerusalem. That begins what many call Holy Week that we're all will be celebrating. And so there's two things happening. It is Palm Sunday, but we're also celebrating. It's the last, uh, last part of our series, If Only. What we've been saying through our If Only series is this, is how do we get past our past? Let go of what's behind us, but how do we live intentional moving forward? So today, our final one is really going to be focused on moving forward, and we're going to use the best example we could in Jesus himself. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Here we go. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyful to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they have seen. We just sang about miracles. That blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I'd like to finish this series and get us kicked off going into our Holy Week with a message entitled this, Run Your Race. As we're talking about letting go behind and moving forward and living a life with no regrets, run your race. And we're gonna see and look at what Jesus did as an example, how we can learn, how he ran his race, and I hope to inspire you, but also help you learn something and equip you on how to run your race. My junior year, I was playing baseball, and, and something happened on the track team where a couple of the, the, the men who ran, they got sick, and so the track coach came out to baseball practice and said, hey, I'm in a desperate situation, I need someone who is willing to run the mile my junior year. We're just sitting out there in our baseball uniforms, and they're like, hey, ask Jason, ask Jason. And the coach asked me, Jason, would you run the mile for us tomorrow? We just need someone to run to make sure that we get the points. Would you run it? And I said, sure, I'll run it, no problem. I get up the next day on Saturday. I get out there, and the first thing I noticed right away was them brothers had them little shorty short shorts, you know, (laughs) when they were running. And, and, and I was like, I didn't have shorty short shorts going on. And so we get out there and we get in line. And next thing, I'm in line with all these guys from these different schools running. And I think to myself, what in the world I got myself into? And so all of a sudden, on your mark, set, 
I take off, y'all. I take off. Now, if you don't know, a mile is four laps around uh, just, just the track. You would see it like a high school or college or something like that. And so I take off. And after the first lap, I'm smoking them, y'all. <laughs> then I get around the second lap. And as I'm going around the second lap, I, I'm looking as I get around a, a turn. They're all way back there. And the thought hits me. I'm an Olympic runner, and I didn't even know it. I'm like, this was a hidden talent that I did not know that I have. This is amazing. This is awesome. And I am just cruising around that second lap. I get to the third lap, and I get about a quarter into the third lap, and, and something happened, y'all. I don't know what it was, but it, it was right around here. Something started happening. And I started running. I was like, and I'm not breathing so well. And then as I'm struggling to get around that third lap, no lie, the coach is so excited. He's like watching this whole thing take place. I get to the end of the third lap. It's the final lap. And he looks at me, and goes, Robinson, turn it on, turn it on. And I'm like, I couldn't even say there is no on coach. I couldn't even talk at the time. And as I'm struggling around that last lap, all of a sudden, the, all the other guys come and one passes me up and another passes me up. And y'all feel bad for me, huh? <laughs> oh, pastor, are you okay? Your feelings all right? And so I go all the way around. When I get around that last quarter, there's only one person left way behind me and they were way behind me. And I run, and as I get towards the finish line, I dove, literally dove across the finish line, barely beat the guy who was in last place, and I roll on the ground, and I'm laying there on the ground, and the coach was like, Robinson, what happened? And I was like, <sighs> and I couldn't talk for like several minutes because I had, I, I had no business being in that race. I wasn't training. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready for any of it. Well, I don't want you guys at the end of this journey of this series and in the rest of your life to not be equipped or ready for the race that's right in front of you. I want you to run your race, but run it well. See, Jesus ran his race well, and I want to look at him and just give you three things just to, just to equip you and just to even maybe my hope is to even bring some clarity to you and some focus to you so you're not doing what I did and you're running after something that you shouldn't be running after. So the first thing we see with Jesus is this, is we see in this story and in his life is that Jesus ran his race. He ran his race. Why, why, why does that matter? See, Jesus, he came to earth, and you see throughout scripture several spots where he says, he came, I came for this reason. I came for this reason. You, you see some of those different spots in there, but here's the thing that kept happening. Oh, Jesus came. The people and the Jewish leaders, they were expecting something different. See, they had heard all the prophecy about the Messiah coming. They had heard the prophecy about the Christ that was coming all throughout the Old Testament, pointed to this Christ, this Messiah that was coming. By the, word, by the way, the word Christ means anointed one. And so it's not Jesus' last name. It's a title that he's given that they would say anytime someone called Jesus the Christ, they were saying, hey, you're the anointed one they were talking about that's coming. And so think about it. 
if we're a people and you're under the rule of Rome, of Rome and Caesar, and you hear about this Messiah coming one day, well, you're thinking he's going to come and take everything over, right? And so they kept trying to push him in to lanes that was not what he was there to do. They, were, they thought maybe he would be a military leader and he would come in. And this military leader would come in and would take over all the armies and change everything around. Or they thought he might be a political leader. He would come and rise through the ranks and be the king of Jerusalem and change everything all around again. And because they had that mindset, there were times they were like, his disciples and others were like, well, man, when are you going to do the thing that you came here to do? Not knowing that he got there. He was there to do the thing he was created to do, but it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. We see it all throughout Scripture. We see in John 14, 22. We see in Scripture, then Judas, I didn't put that, not Judas Iscariot, that's, that's in, your, in your Bible, actually. It says, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us, but not the world? Like, if you're going to be a public figure, then you've got to get in the public at some point. And it, Jesus did this weird thing. He did this thing where he would heal somebody, and when someone would be healed, instead of like saying, hey, look, look, everybody come see, come see what I can do. He would tell them, now don't you tell anybody that, that, I, that I healed you. There's a reference in that in Mark 7, 36, but you see it all throughout his story. The other thing that would happen is crowds would begin to swell around Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, we see that, where all of a sudden thousands of people start to come around Jesus. And after he would get this major following, he'd leave. And he'd go somewhere to a small town. It's like, wait, Jesus, hold on. I don't think you understand how this is supposed to work. You heal people, you tell everybody. I mean, my goodness, we eat a hamburger and we post it for the world to see. Hamburger. We, we, you don't hide it all. You show it off, right? Crowd starts coming around. We don't leave and go somewhere else. You don't have 12 Instagram followers. Now you have 5,012 Instagram followers and then change the account, Jesus. I mean, we're supposed to gather. Say, no, 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 I, I, I'm called. I, I got to go to this small town here. Even to the point where Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and they came to arrest Jesus. And as they came to arrest Jesus, the Bible says that Peter took his sword out. And as a servant came forward, a servant of the priest cut off its ear. And Jesus grabbed his ear and, and healed him. And he turned and he goes, am I re leading a rebellion? I wonder if Peter, Peter thought, I thought, I thought so. I thought we were re leading a rebellion. I can imagine Peter just like, all right, here it is. We knew he was coming to take over. It's time, boys. Come on, strap up. Let's go. It's like, no, no, no. He said, no, 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 no. He had a different, he, he had a different way he was coming. Confused everybody. But Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus knew the lane he was called to do. He knew that he had come to die on a cross for your sin and for my sin. 1 John 3, 8 says this. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And as they kept trying to push him, he went go right back into the lane. He knew his assignment his father gave him. For us, to live a life with no regrets, to live a life full of just destiny and what God has for us. The first thing we got to know, just like they try to push Jesus out of his lane, this world and society will try to push you out of your lane. 
And he'll try, they'll try to push you out of the God-given assignment that God has for you and that he has for me. See, God has a race set out for you. He's got a race out for me. And it's your race and your race alone. It's yours. And your race is not against your neighbor. Your race is against the potential God put on the inside of you. See, Stephanie is my wife. I don't have another race. I don't have another race for that. My, my race is to have the greatest marriage I can possibly have in my whole life. That's, what, that's my race. To be the best dad I could possibly be. To be the best pastor I could possibly be. To be the best husband. To be the best friend that I can possibly be. It's my race. It's not anybody else's race. And we have to be careful because in this life we live, it's easy to start running our race and start going into someone else's lane. See, I don't know a whole lot about track and field, but I know that there's only a couple ways you can be disqualified. You can't be disqualified for going too fast or going too slow, but you can be disqualified by getting out of your lane into someone else's lane. And we live in a world where it's easier to get out of your lane than ever before. You jump on social media, and I don't want to beat up on social media. Remember this, social media is amoral. That means it, it's, it stands by itself. It's not immoral, and it's not moral. Whoever it's in the hands of determines which one it is. It's amoral. Just like money. Money is amoral, okay? It can be evil or it can be powerful and good. It all depends on whose hands it's in. But it's so easy to get on social media, and next thing you know, social media is the comparison of all comparison, nobody else in the history of the world had to deal with it like we do because it's all in front of you. Since January, if you follow me any on social media, you'll notice I haven't really posted a whole lot or done a whole lot. And I'll tell you why. Because man, we got, by January, it just hit me one day. It's like when I look at social media too much, I either think of one or two things. I think of how terrible I'm doing at something or how, why didn't they invite me to that? Y'all laughing because y'all know it's true. I get on there and there's somebody else doing their fourth workout of the day, eating asparagus all day long, and they're ripped to shreds, and I feel like a beached whale eating Cheetos watching TV. <laughs> or you're watching something else, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, this picture, great time with all my best friends in the whole world eating brisket. And you're like, I like brisket. They <laughs> call me for no brisket. And you walk away, you're offended and frustrated and all these things because you've compared yourself to something else. It's easy for us to see what somebody else is doing. Now, let me, let me, let me qualify one thing. It's awesome for someone else to inspire you, but not torment you. Okay? It's not your job to take somebody else's burden on to run a lane that you were never called or gifted or given the grace to run. I say it about personally. I also say about our church. Church of the King, our vision, reaching people and building lives. Some of our mantras is, you know, we want more for you than we want from you. Also, the things we build this church on, we build it on the next generation. We build it on worship. It's a big deal. And spiritual family, it's a, it's a big deal to us. And I'm inspired by what other people are doing, but I know our lane. And we're going to run our lane. And why is that important? Because when we know our lane, you know what to say yes to. But more importantly, you know what to say no to. It's okay. It's just not who I am. It's just not who we are. 
It's awesome. It's it. that's, that's not our flow. That, that, that's okay. I'm inspired. It's great. Celebrate others. But you know, th- this past week, I got to go hunting with a bunch of pastors from around the country and got to meet up with one of my heroes, Pastor Willie George, which by the way, I'm excited. He's coming to preach for us on August 15th. And so I got him locked in. If you don't know Gospel Bill, he's Gospel Bill, you know, you're going to love him. And so anyway, I just excited. And I'm listening to all the stories and man, I, inspiring. It's awesome. I love it. It's inspired me. But then I took what inspired inspired me and bring it down to, okay, how does that work for us? How does that work in our lane? What Jesus did is he ran his race. Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. You see that? I have kept the faith. And so I've learned to not judge somebody else on what they're not doing because I'm doing it. But to realize they got to run their they got to run their race just like I got to run run mile. Jesus he ran he ran his race. Secondly, we see Jesus he ran with purpose. He ran with purpose. Everything Jesus did he did with purpose. And what he's inspiring us and showing us to do is, hey, when you know what your lane is, then you can begin to run and give and serve and do what you do and do it with intention and purpose. When we look through the story we were just reading about purpose, we see in Luke 19, 30, 31, we see this, which says, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there. Most versions say a donkey, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say the Lord needs it. Now, let me show you. I want to show you about intention. As you begin to read through the Bible, let me tell you something that's just super cool. As you begin to study the word, it is so layered with so many things. The Bible is inexhaustible. I mean, you could study it until the day you die, and there'll still be things you never see in it. It just has so many layers, so much intention, so much purpose. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to just give you one in this story, in this it. Why say something about a donkey? Why say something about a cult? When we think about donkeys, we think of Eeyore, and we think of, you know, dumb, silly, come on, Gus. Anybody remember Gus, the old movie, Disney movie, Gus? Four of you? All right, Gus, all right? He's a donkey, and he kicked a ball. All right, anyway, all right, moving right along. All right, here's the the deal. So, So that's all we think of, and here's the other thing. They celebrate Passover every year. So they go and celebrate Passover every single year. Why all of a sudden... Jesus wants us to go get a donkey to bring it in. Well, there's tons of significance related. The layers, it was done with purpose. First off, it's, it, it, first thing it does is it fulfills a prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 that says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, let me, give you, now let me give you some layers to this. Historically, in the Old Testament, when donkeys came upon the scene, although we see it many times as something silly or something dumb or whatever it may be, it had tremendous significance. It was actually, in some instances, considered royalty. So kings would ride on a donkey into a town, and if they rode on a donkey into the town, they were declaring that they were coming in peacefully. That's what that meant. Now, if they rode in on a strong horse, what that would mean is they're coming in and they are taking over. That's what it meant. 
okay? So Jesus has a donkey and he has it come. Now we also see that kings rode donkeys. We see King David, we see King Solomon rode on donkeys. We also see almost every prophet in the Old Testament rode on a donkey. Almost everyone. Didn't ride on a horse, they rode on a donkey. And then also we see anytime major provision was coming to be brought somewhere, it was on a donkey. Why does that matter? So kings, prophets, and provision is what came. Well, who was riding on that donkey into Jerusalem? The prophecy was fulfilled that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was coming in as a sign of peace to bring peace to all in humanity. Also, he was fulfilling all the prophet's words that was coming in by saying that, by coming in as a prophet, as he was bringing in, declaring the word of God, and he was bringing the ultimate provision to die on a cross that when his blood was shed, it would cover yours and mine. Oh, I thought he was just riding a donkey on the inside. There was so much purpose involved. So much layers that are involved with that. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing, there's more to it. I just don't have enough time to just, just the donkey, and that's it. I'm really excited about this Friday night with the communion, and I'll tell you why. I'm excited because I'm about, you're about to see all the layers. I had been taking communion for decades and didn't know all the layers on behind what I was actually doing and what I was participating in. And so I'm excited about you Friday night being able to learn and hear about that. And so that's, I'm so pumped up. They're so, so done with purpose. By the way, the Bible also says in Revelations 19 that Jesus is coming back a second time. But guess what he's riding the second time? A white horse. So he's coming in to take over when he comes back that second time. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and it is now. <laughs> look, look, about three of y'all were like, Lord, forgive me for all my sins real quick, hurry up. <laughs> Anyone watching online, they don't know what's going on now. Thunder just went through here and uh, man, come on, God, God, God with purpose. <laughs> I got y'all's attention now. If you weren't sure before, I got it now. That was awesome. Well, I remember when I was nine years old, uh, my parents both worked uh, during the summertime. And so I would wake up and my parents would be gone until five o'clock. My dad did construction, my mom sold medical supplies, and my sister a lot of times would be with friends. And and so I, I didn't live in the internet day age, you know? So at, at first growing up, and so I didn't have all this entertainment. And so, and we lived in the country. So I had time, I had a lot of space, and I had a big imagination. How many of you know, nine years old, you can get in trouble with that combination? Well, one day I decided I was gonna start training to be a WWE professional wrestler one day. It's a true story. I tied a t-shirt around my head and I was a flying Von Erich. Now you have to know wrestling back in the 80s to know who the Von Erichs are, all right? So I was gonna be a flying Von Erich and I was training. And so I had this deal and I had my pillow. My pillow was my opponent and he was on the bed. And I was on top of a dresser and I was doing the bravado. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I was doing the thing you do. And I dove onto the bed, <laughs> broke the bed. When it broke, it went to the side, flung me across the room. I hit the dresser. The TV on top of the dresser fell, broke all over the place. How many of y'all know when dad came home, I was right with Jesus? <laughs> that time he got home. He got home, 
Part of all what happened comes into my room. He goes, oh my gosh. He starts freaking out because I broke everything. And he looks, he goes, what were you thinking? And I said, I don't know. Anybody have young kids and they're like, they do something really stupid. And you're like, what in the world you were thinking? They're like, you know what? I don't think I was, Dad. I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. How many of y'all know it's funny when you're nine? But it's not funny when you're 39. Or 49. Come on. <laughs> Wise, if you all of a sudden come in the room and everything's broken in your house and your husband has no shirt on, it's tied around his head. He's going, oh, yeah. You'd be like, call the pastor. I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, it's not so funny anymore, right? I don't want you, us to just live a life. My fear is that many of us are just living a life. Like, well, why are you doing that? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. Well, why are you coming to church? I, mean, I don't know. Well, why are you going to that? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want you to live that way. When you know that God's called you for a purpose, he puts you in a lane. He gives you what to say yes to what to say no to, and it gives you some purpose. By the way, everything we're doing as a church is full of purpose. As we moved into our facility, we knew so many new people would start coming. We've seen over 250 people surrendered their life to Jesus for the first time since we opened these doors. Somebody say amen. That's a good one. Okay? We did a six-week-long series the way that we've done it on purpose because we want people to get connected who weren't connected before. By the way, April 11th, we're, we're having a men's night. We're not having a men's night because it's just the right thing to do. We're doing it because we're trying to gather our men and getting connected to other men of God. Why is that important? Because you know all the statistics say that if a man surrenders his life to Christ, that 96% of their household will surrender to Jesus. Man, we have purpose on it. Do you know throughout our summer with our students, all the things and our kids that we're going to do, going into the fall, which God's really been putting on my heart to really lay some things out there. I can't wait for our small groups. I'm looking forward to, to going deeper with some things, to really start establishing and rooting you guys in some things. Well, to learn about the Holy Spirit and how to, the gifts of the Spirit. What does that look like for you and me to really teach and worship and get some depth there? The freedom, the things that are holding people back, freedom material we want to roll out in in the fall. We have a plan for all these things. I, I, I look forward to the finances. So many of us need help with our finances, and, and we want to have some, provide some classes and things so that you can get drilled in. We do it on purpose. We have purpose to what we're doing to move forward. I want you to live on purpose. Because see, when you live intentionally and live with purpose, when you determine to live a life with purpose, for a purpose, then you will live on purpose. And the final one is this. Jesus ran his race. He ran with purpose. And you'll see here. And he ran with people. He ran with others. It's fascinating to me. Jesus, 100% God, but 100% man. He had his father. He had legions of angels he had access to. But in his greatest challenge in his greatest moment of need, he wanted some people around him. He wanted others around him. Luke, excuse me, Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, 
sit here while I go over there to pray. This is where he's praying in the garden. And the Bible even talks about how the, his, he, it was so intense. And there was so much stress that he was literally sweating drops of blood. In this intense moment, because he knew what was coming. He actually asked the father, God, if there's any way I don't have to do this, if this cup could pass by me, please make that happen. But, but not my will, but your will be done. And this is what it says. Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took, Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Would you stay here and keep watch with me? In the greatest moment of his life, he needed people to run with. If the Son of God needed people to help push him towards his purpose and help be there for him when he needed, if the Son of God needed that, then who in the world are we to think that we can do it on our own? Who in the world am I, is Jason, to think I can figure this out on my own? Are you kidding me? I could go through the room right now. I could go through the five years of this church and tell you, the men who've spoken into my life, the men who had my back, the men who encouraged me, some in this room, that man, I needed them. During this pandemic, I needed people speaking into my life. In the moments where, is it all gonna work? I needed people there. And their encouragement reminded me of my lane and reminded me of my purpose. And it kept me running. It kept me running. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's an old African proverb that says this, if you wanna run fast, run alone. But if you wanna run far, run with others. I'm 45, to some of you, that's like ancient dinosaur age. To other you, you're like, you're a young buck, you're fine. It's all relative. But I'll tell you what I have learned. I'm just not as impressed with the gifted person who just comes in on the scene anymore. You know what I'm impressed with? That couple that's been married 50 years and they're more in love now than they ever were. I'm like, hey, I need you to tell me what you know. When I meet couple and their kids just love God, fire for God. I'm like, can I ask you every question of everything you've ever done? And they always say this, well, it was just the Lord and my wife. I'm like, hush, you did something and you won't tell me right now. I want to learn. I want to grow. See people who have grown. Talk about being Pastor Willie. He's become like an uncle in the Lord to me in the last couple of years. And Pastor Willie George will be here, like I said, in August. But I mean, hey, what's, just tell me what to do. Tell me what you think. It, it just inspires me. And, and being around people, why am I saying all this? Because I want you to run your race. And at the very end of your race, the Bible talks there is a reward set for you in heaven. And I want you to get all of it, not just a little bit of it. I don't want you to get to heaven and they say, I had all this. Look at all this I had. Why didn't you let that thing go and run with purpose? I want him to go on. I want us to go there and everything God set forth that we would have. 
Final story, and I'll end with this. I remember uh, I ran triathlons for a little while, and we would run marathons and things like that to get ready. And I would ran this 10K one time, 10K, 6.2 miles, and, and I was going to run it, and wasn't sure if I was, would go, went back and forth. Am I going to run it? Am I not? And, and finally, I had someone that I trained with that said, hey, listen, I'm not, I, I can't go, so why don't you just go in my place? I said, okay. So I just go there and, and, and I get there and, and, and they, they give me the number and I take the number and I put it on and, and we run and, and I run, sweating the whole nine, pouring, finish the race. And as I finish the race, you go over and they had this whole wall that showed like the results of everyone. And I go over there and as I'm looking at the results, guess what? My name's not up there somebody else's name is up there because I ran with their number. You know what I don't want for you? I don't want you to run so hard and you get to the end of a race and you won somebody else's lane and somebody else's race. Nah, God, we want to run the race you set out before me. Y'all are all so gifted. You're so gifted, but you're so gifted in so many different ways. And where you're super gifted, you're not. But where you are, they're not. And that's okay. Run your race. And if as a church, we all run our race in our lane, what could God do with a church? That every lane's covered because they ran with purpose. I think we could change the world. We could. That begins with us making that decision. Amen. Why don't you guys stand up? I'm gonna pray for you and let you go. I'm gonna ask you to do two things. One, I'm gonna ask you to continue to share with because there's something about Easter. People will come with Easter, they wouldn't would, wouldn't else come. And send the invite out there. Let's see what God might do. But for you, I want you to run with all you have, just like Jesus. Run your lane, run with purpose, and run with the right people and watch what he'll do. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your people today. God, I thank you that you're a good God. And God, I pray even right now, you're giving clarity to people. You give them clarity in, in their lane. You give them clarity in their race. And God, as they're running their race, God, I pray that we'd always be a church. We'd be people that we'd celebrate people who are doing well in their lane. Man, go for it. You're doing great. Kill it doing a great job. But Father, we'd be focused in what you've called us to do. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I bless your people right now, God. I pray miracles upon people's lives, even right now, God. People that are watching online, Lord Jesus, I ask right now that they would just right now feel your presence and your power, Lord Jesus. And God, I'm just asking, Lord God, that your spirit would just move in a great way. Lord, I pray your, your, your favor would go before us, God, and that we would extend your kingdom in all that we do this week. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Come on, can we get the Lord a hand before you guys go?